0: One guest. Ten songs. Ten reasons. Music was my first love on Radio Glamorgan. My guest today is former chairman of Hospital Radio Glamorgan and host of Sunday night's Slip Disc Show. From 8 p.m. through until 10 PM, Simon Field. We'll hear from Simon after his first choice, which is 54 to 56, was my number from Toots and Maytails.
1: simon how are you hello uh, andrew thanks for having me on uh music was my first love uh i'm feeling good thank you good you're very welcome tell us about
0: your first choice 54 to 56 was my number
1: when when it comes to choosing 10 tracks it, it initially starts to be quite difficult and then it becomes hang on a minute i've got more than 10 now i've got 18 or 20 and how do i get those down And uh, so I had to sort of choose things that were more pertinent to hospital radio and the radios at work. I've done first of all my track my first track, was going to be the Beatles because that was the first single that my elder brother and sister bought for me as a Christmas present and then I was going to choose something else but I eventually went for Toots and the Maytals because I suppose that was one of the first tracks that I was aware of in my own right so it was when I went to youth club in about I think probably about 1970 when I just went to high school we used to go every Thursday night to the youth club disco and you used to get, you know, certain number of tracks always played every week. The rocking tracks were always Honky Tonk Women by the Rolling Stones and A whole Lot of Love by Led Zeppelin. Then the, the sort of disco ones were Band of Gold, Free the Pain, Smoky Robinson and the Miracles, Tears of a Clown and Montego Bay by Bobby Bloom. And I knew those because they were played a lot on the radio. And then I, I heard this song being played and I didn't know what it was. And I asked somebody, I said, what's this? And they said, oh, this is skinhead music. And I went, oh, right, okay. But it was only sometime afterwards I found out that it was uh, this track, Toots and the Maytals, and uh, 5456 was my number. And it was a sort of early sort of ska turning over to reggae. That was was a track that probably got me interested in that type of ska reggae music. And sort of as we come later on, we can see how how I've gone back to that (laughs) latterly in my radio career.
0: You've been with Radio Morgan since 1984, how how did you first get involved?
1: I always liked radio and I I suppose I should credit my brother with this because in the 1960s it was with the advent of pirate radio and he was very much into pirate radio and I remember, I've still got memories of him with this big radiogram and it was a lovely lovely looking you know piece of furniture anyway him you know sort of twiddling the knobs trying to get stations like Radio Caroline which were We were told illegal So it was all a bit Oh gosh This is a bit naughty And you know Trying to listen to pop music Because at the time there was This was at the time Before Radio 1 So the BBC Didn't broadcast any pop music It was all light music Or yeah. classic They had the The light um, programme the, program, the third programme Which was Radio 3 The classical music And then Radio 4 Which was the home service and so there was no pop music and so we you know this it was either radio luxembourg the signal of that wasn't that great the choice of music wasn't brilliant either sometimes uh so these the advent of these new pirate radio stations were seen as something exciting and new and a bit dangerous that's how i got into radio i think and, and so it became my preferred media really when i was a student we didn't have a tv at all we just relied on the radio for news and entertainment so I've always been into radio and then I got my first sort of big job with BT and I found out there was somebody who was volunteering here at at Radio Glamorgan and so this is back in the 80s I badgered him and said you know any chance of coming on coming along and eventually after badgering him for about nine months I eventually was you know they said yes you, you can become a trainee so that, that's what I did, and then so that's how I got involved in 1984,
0: and I've sort of been here since. And thirty odd years later, you've obviously seen a lot of changes. Oh
1: gosh! <laughs> <laughs> well, there is going to be one of my choices, which, uh, which which is going to be. One of the first tracks I played as a trainee on Radio Glamorgan. Should we wait till we come to that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but so, so, yes, that is indicative of some of the changes that we've seen. But as you say, there have been huge numbers mm. of changes over that period of time. Would you
0: have been in the basement when you started? Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. The
1: very hot basement. <laughs> hot <data, laughs> uh, in fact... <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll talk about that more okay. when we come to that particular choice
0: uh, Your second choice of Tenth Silent was released in 1971 In My Own Time from English Rock Band Family
1: Yes, a very distinctive vocalist called Roger Chapman My brother was into them in terms of he knew a lot of their albums They had a hit single, I think this was, this was possibly their biggest hit single at the time I know it made top five and my brother hadn't heard of it, and I thought, oh, great! You know, there's a band here that my brother likes, but he hasn't heard of, and I I know this single, so I remember going out and buying this single. They were also the second band I saw live. The first band I saw live, this was in the capital, in which is where the Capital Centre is in the centre garden, was Status Quo. But the second one I went to see was Family. Family
0: From what you were saying before, there's always been music at home in your life growing up.
1: Yeah, but my brother and sister, I was the youngest, and my brother and sister, there was quite a gap between me and them. So there was only two years between them, and then there was about seven and a half years between my brother and myself. So they had their own sort of distinct types of uh, music that they liked. And then, you know, so I was trying to really forge my own way. My father was also... Very much interested in music as well. He uh, played the trumpet. He was into band music. He used to tell us his story of in the 40s, he tried installing an aerial in his garden to try and get a better reception on Radio Luxembourg at the time because he said Radio Luxembourg was the only place where you could hear... Band music uh, at the time and big band music, but not just big band music, but ordinary band music as well, almost like dance band music. I remember him saying he spent all his money and he got this uh, aerial, but even though they put this air, big aerial up in the back garden, it didn't really improve the reception of Radio Luxembourg. So he was quite disappointed in that. So yes, it, there, there's always been there's always been that feeling of music in the family. Uh, and, and, you know, I remember being a star recorder playing in school, and, and yeah. I also went to play the clarinet, mm-hmm. but didn't really get on with that. I, I, in fact, if it, if it talks about a musician, I've always been a frustrated drummer, but my my mother made it clear from an early age that she wasn't going to have any drums in the house, so uh, that's as far as that got.
0: When we started these series of programmes, I, I always knew that the most popular recording artists would be the Beatles, but... One artist almost as popular amongst volunteers' choices has been David Bowie. So what can you tell me about your third choice?
1: Yeah, so it, we're talking now in we the early 70s. So I remember, as I said, buying family, partly because although although my brother liked it, he, he hadn't heard of that particular single. So I thought, aha, right, I like that. I'll go out and buy it and show you. And I did like it, but it wasn't really my own artist. It was just I was following one of my brother's choices. So at the time... You know, early teens I was looking for somebody You know, an artist to be into And it was at the time when People like Alice Cooper And particularly David Bowie Came on the scene And David Bowie, you know As we all know now Was a very captivating Engaging Mm -hmm. pop artist And he went to, you know Fantastic, you know, stardom from the album, The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust. And so there was a friend of mine who lived down the road who actually left school early, so he had a lot of money. So he was going out and but he bought the first stereo that I ever encountered and he would buy the David Bowie albums. And then as I started doing a little bit of money, I would go back and sort of buy the back catalogue. So The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust was the one that really launched David Bowie big time. And then the following album that came out, the follow-up to that was called Aladdin Sane. And I remember this friend of mine called Philip Edwards, who went out and bought it the first day it was out. Now, I was in school at the time, and so I couldn't go out and buy it, and I didn't have that much money anyway. What he did was he lent me, I asked him if he'd loan me the album, and then I recorded it on my brother and sister's old reel to reel tape recorder. Oh, good grief, yeah, 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 so I recorded it from our, from our mono record player <laughs> onto reel to reel tape. And I played it, and I think it was the first time I'd had an album, and I think I played it three times in a row. But, you know as soon as i heard it i thought wow 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 and then i just played it and then i played it again the track i'm going to pick is actually the first track because it's called watch that man and it you know i put the needle on the record hmm. not knowing what to expect and there was this this song just burst out you know and it was like wow and that that i think that captivated me to, to really like the whole album this track watch that man
0: Why did you take on the role as chairman of Radio Glamour then? Ah right okay
1: I started as I said volunteering in about the mid-80s and then I spoke a bit to the then program controller and I sort of got on really well with him and i had been presenting my own program on a Saturday morning for about I don't know six to nine months and and because I was really keen to do it I always turned up didn't give him any grief I was always there doing it. And so he spoke to me and he said, look, I've got to take some time out. There's like a personal sort of thing I've got to resolve. We're looking for somebody to sort of stand in and just cover for me while I'm away. You know, would you be interested in doing it? And I just thought, yeah, brilliant. You know, so I left at the opportunity. So, you know, I went fairly quickly from being that to acting program controller. Uh, His name was Paul Moore. Uh, He never actually came back to Rayleigh Morgan, so I don't quite know what happened. But they said, oh, would you be prepared to stay on as program controller, as permanent program controller? Because we can appoint you as, you know, the chairman and the, the existing committee. We've got the power to appoint you if you're happy to do it. And I said, yeah, yeah. And then when it comes to the next AGM, you'll be up for election. So that's what happened. And that So that happened sort of in the late 80s. And then there was, there was a sort of a bit of a groundswell of discontent amongst the membership against the sort of existing committee chairman, secretary, treasurer, who were seen to be, have been in post for a long time and not be connected to the membership themselves and it was almost as if the membership was suggesting things and and they were being poo-poo by saying we've already tried that you know yeah. and 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 so there was a lot of discontent and fomenting and so some of the membership said look you know there's a lot of people not happy with the existing committee would you be interested in being chairman and i said to like well i don't know if 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 chris hall is going to stand down or something like that, but but Gradually, what happened was I spoke to Chris and I said, look, just to let you know, a number of the members, you know, are asking me to be to, to be chairman. They're not happy about things. And gradually, the other members of the committee left and there was just left as the chairman. And so he then said to me, OK, you know, I'm happy. You know, if you want to take over, I'll stand down and you take over. So that's what happened. It was a, a bloodless coup in 1990 hmm. and then you know j- just thinking about it talking about other people who you know the existing committee that were long in the tooth I actually ended up being chairman for 18 years until <laughs> uh, 2008.
0: And and when you stood down in 2008 the volunteers honoured you with a uh, life membership that must have meant a great deal. They did
1: deal. absolutely absolutely and and they also you know I also got a nice big plaque you know oh. with in a nice frame with uh, I think it was the single I can't remember if it was the single the day I was born, or it was a gold disc with something like thirty years or something. But yes, it was absolutely fantastic. It was uh, yes, it does mean a great deal to me because when I think about it, I I had given you know some of my life to it since the mid '80s, and then when you become chairman, you give a lot more. Mm. Uh, you know, it's not just presenting programs; it's attending committee meetings, sorting out stuff, and dealing with the hospital. There's a myriad of things. So, um, so y- yes, I did spend a lot of time. It was great to get that recognition. And, and it was also great, after 18 years, to sort of say, let's <sighs> do something else now.
0: <laughs> yeah, let someone else take over the reins. Your next choice is an absolute classic from one of the greatest bands to come out of the punk hero, White Man in Hammersmith Palais from The Clash. Was it about wanting The Clash in your list of ten, or was it this particular track?
1: Both, really. <laughs> Both, really. In musical terms... The mid sort of 80s became sort of progressive rock and concept albums and my brother was into people like Emerson Lake and Palmer and Yes and they were bringing on all these gatefold sleeves all these big stories. And even I remember going to see Queen in the uh, capital again in the uh, mid-70s mid I think it was when they did A Night at the Opera and mm-hmm. uh, Freddie Mercury sort of performing bohemian rhapsody on stage with a mixture of live music but it was all getting a bit sort of overblown and grandiose and then sort of punk came along and it was the antidote to that it was like three blokes and a guitar in the garage you know? and so there was a big lot of publicity at the time generally negative publicity about the Sex Pistols and Malcolm yeah. McLaren engineering all this stuff on the TV and so they were supposed to be this big anarchy in the uk tour at all the top Rank venues around the country and then because of the publicity top rank pulled them and so the cardiff gig castle cinema in Cafilli said they'd um they'd host the gig instead i thought oh i don't know if i want to go to kafili and a friend of mine derek actually said look we have to go if you don't go you'll regret it for the rest of your life so we did go we drove up to kafili on uh, i think it was a tuesday or wednesday evening in 1976 I don't know if you've seen the stories about it, but there was a lot more people outside either protesting or something about it (laughs) rather than inside. Inside, there was this small cinema. There was only about 60 people in there to see Sex Pistols, Johnny Thunder and the Heartbreakers and The Clash. And it was the first time I'd seen The Clash. And I just remember these guys coming on and playing this music. And I was just like, whoa, what's that? And there was like they'd finish a song after about two minutes and then there'd be silence because everyone was just like completely shell shocked. So that's how I got into the clash and then a couple of years later when I was in university they had this single, White Man and Hammersmith Palais, was a new entry in the in the singles chart. Now at that time Radio One wouldn't play any punk music during the daytime yeah. at all. It was just
0: John Peel in the evening. That that's
1: right. It? Unless it got into the the chart and then they would play as a as a new entry and I remember walking around the grounds of Southampton University with my radio thinking when are they going to play The Clash and they played it the very last song (sighs) they just squeezed it in and it was just like it just happened to finish as they used to do the pips at two o'clock when Paul Burnett handed over to Tony Blackburn (laughs) and it was just like whoa that's absolutely perfect so it was a great song anyway so yeah White Man in Hammersmith Palais is the Clash track for me. (laughs)
0: Next choice, Simon, is from Big Country. Were you a big fan?
1: Not particularly. I mean, I quite liked them. It was Stuart Adamson in charge of Big Country. The reason I've chosen this one, and as I said at the start, this choice of ten changed almost Mm -hmm. every day. But the reason I put this one in was it was quite significant at the time when I started to become a trainee on uh, Radio Glamorgan, As you mentioned, at the time, we were in the basement. It was very warm indeed. In fact, that's because the kitchens were down there. I don't know if they still are down there, but it used to get incredibly hot. (laughs) And I can picture certain uh, times when I would come in and there'd be a group of male students doing the show ahead of me and they'd all be stripped to the waist so So I'd be confronted with this uh, you know this group of uh, three blokes uh, all stripped to the waist I thought oh what's going on here and it was also at the time where you know it was pre-cd so everything was being played on vinyl Mm. and so the common way to to do things is uh, as a trainee is you sit with somebody an experienced presenter who's doing their show and then they say right okay well you know you've got an idea you see, you know you play a couple of tracks and speak and, and of course it's absolutely you know your heart's pounding like you know like anything it's you know you, you so you're either playing singles or you're playing album tracks this guy I was training with his name was Peter Morgan he had the big country album The Crossing and I thought oh it's pretty good because I I don't think i would taken any you know, anything along with me to play so I had to play some guitar. and I thought oh I think I was gonna play something like in a big country or something that was well known one of the tracks on the album but i found that i was so nervous i was trying to pick up the arm of the record i was shaking so much i couldn't actually put it down yeah. on a track so i had to pick the first track I side <laughs> of the album <laughs> And so this is the first track of side two of the Crossing by Big Country. It's a track called Harvest Home. And actually, I'm it's really pleased. default. Yeah, but but I, after you know, as I played it, I thought actually this is a really good track. But it's it, but that's the reason that I picked it. It's because it brings back the memories of how my hand used to shake so much. <laughs> That's uh, Górecki and a version recorded by Beth Gibbons in about 2016, I believe, of Symphony Number no. 3, which was Sorrowful Songs. That was called Lento i Lago Tranquillissimo. It has, I think, a, a haunting beauty to it. It's actually written, Henrik Gerecki, Polish composer, and it's about when Germany invaded Poland during the Second World War and the awful treatment of the Polish prisoners at the hand of the Gestapo and part of the um, movements are about some of the words written on the uh, cell walls by the Polish prisoners. Now it happened to coincide and a friend pointed this out to me because they thought it was a bit surprising that I was really enjoying listening to this compared to most of my other choices which are pretty upbeat and it happened to coincide that there's a lot of talk these days about mental health. During this period of time in the early mid-90s, I actually started suffering panic attacks and it was the most frightening thing I've ever had. And I only knew they were panic attacks afterwards. At the time, I had no idea what was going on and I just thought, what is going on with me? You know, I just don't know why am I feeling like this? Why am I feeling as so oh, I can't stand up, I'm going to fall over. And it was only afterwards I realised it was a panic attack and one of my friends said, you know, I don't know why you're listening to this music all the time. You know, is that, is that not helping you? in your anxiety, which has been brought on by these panic attacks. I don't know whether there's any truth in that, but I do remember that it did change quite a bit of my life. But I still did find this music soothing to listen to. But having said that, I haven't listened to it for about 20 odd years. But my show on a Sunday evening looks at the Top 40 album chart. This version, as I said, with Beth Gibbons was recorded in about 2016 but it was re-released or released earlier this year and it actually made it into the top 40 album chart. So I actually played that track, this version with Beth Gibbons and if you read about it, she's done really well because um, she's learned the Polish language to be able to uh, sing it. And also it's not written for someone singing in her key. So she's had to rework it. So she was able to sing the lead vocals, which shows absolute dedication. But just playing it again earlier this year, when it was in the album chart, reminded me of how much I enjoyed it. Albeit that I have this ringing in my in my ear from this friend of mine who said, "Are you sure you want to be listening <laughs> to that when you're when you're like that?" It's so, a beautiful yeah. piece. It, it absolutely is, you know, and sorrowful songs. Absolutely, when you read some of the you know the sleeve notes about what was behind it, it's uh, absolutely haunting but beautiful. I think.
0: Uh, you just touched on it there, but talk to me about the slip disc show.
1: Right. Um, so it was when I started to do when I had my own show on hospital radio. I wanted to think of. A sort of a catchy title. People say, "Oh, you know, it's a bit, you know, it's a bit dull if you just call, you know, the Simon Field show." You know, everyone calls it that. Try and think of a name, and I just thought at the time, I I can't remember. It was someone on Radio One, either Paul Burnett or Johnny Walker, that used to have the slip disc, which was. A single uh, that they would ask uh, listeners to ring in and request a single that hadn't made the top forty singles chart, hadn't made the charts, but was still a favorite. And I remember one of them was uh, Kansas' "Carry On Wayward Son," and 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 there were a number of tracks, you know, uh, some of the early David Bowie ones, for example, originally "The Man Who Sold the World," things like that, things that were released but weren't hits. So they called it the slip disc. And so I was thinking. What name can I use for a hospital radio show? I thought, well, slip disc is a bit of a pun on what you what one of the reasons you may be in hospital, and uh, so yes, I, I pinched the name slip disc show, and I've stuck with it ever um, since.
0: And what can people expect? Obviously, they get the album chart. To be honest, it
1: has changed uh, o- over the years. I've done, you know, I've had a number of um, features in. Uh, we used to do sports. We used to look at uh, TV listings. Uh, former chairwoman, more than many keen on that particular feature as we were on radio but uh, anyway it, it uh, persevered. I then uh, got involved in the doing the singles chart and, and that was a really hectic show. On a Sunday evening, because that was a time when the singles chart would come out on a Sunday, evening Sunday yeah. and you know, within an hour, we would have to try and source all the all the tracks to play. That was absolutely <laughs> hectic, fantastic fun to be, but you know, really dynamic. And and so then we drifted away from singles chart to the album chart, and uh, I used to co-present it with the late John Wills. He used to do six to eight on a. Uh, uh sunday evening and i used to do eight till ten so between eight and nine we did the album chart together and so after he sadly uh, passed away i carried on doing it by myself so generally if you listen to the slip disc show these days you'll hear a review of the brand new top 40 album chart and then i i'd I, I focus on the health promotion awareness campaigns yeah. for the month that that, that um that we're in. So uh, that's what the this show consists of at the moment. But it has consisted of lots of different (laughs) things over the years.
0: Let's uh, stay with a bit of classical music. Uh, Welsh musician and composer next, Carl Jenkins. So it was around about the same sort of time to Carl
1: Jenkins composed Palladio. It was a big thing about having a Welsh composer getting a lot of um, attention for this. Again, Classic FM was involved. I've been a fan and supporter of carter city football club for uh, i think i remember from about the late 60s early yeah. 70s actually bought my first season ticket in about 91 92 it was after they would had their worst ever season they finished <laughs> lowest and, and i think they were well ticket. they were desperate to sell them so <laughs> it was like incredibly cheap for that one year incredibly cheap and uh, but but you know the sense was they got us in there and and I've renewed it every year since. And at one point when this when this was uh, written by Carl Jenkins, this track was used by Cardiff City at the start of the game when the teams ran out. So uh for I was I was delighted that they played Allegretto from Palladio from uh, for the Cardiff City team to run out uh, at the start of games.
0: What can you tell me about your eighth choice, Insomnia? Faithless
1: Insomnia. In about the early 90s, my wife and I got married in 1991. We started to enjoy the music of groups like Underworld, KLF, Leftfield. Leftfield, I remember we went to a concert at the Students' Union and it was just absolutely getting, you know, it was absolutely brilliant. So many people, it was packed there and everybody was dancing and all of a sudden the concert stopped, all the lights went on and we were told it had triggered the heat detectors because <laughs> it got so hot in there and unfortunately they, had, they couldn't reset it and so the concert had to finish there and then but i remember we went to, we, we got involved in listening to faithless sister bliss and maxi jazz and rollo and i, I don't know if, it, if his sister dido was involved in them as well partly and we went to see them in a very small club in newport near to Stowe hill I think it was one of those clubs that used to be called something like the Stowaway, but it had a new name. But it was seeing them almost, not quite touching them, but very close to it. It was a small club, not, not full at all. And it was great to be that close to them and seeing them play and thinking, wow. And then a couple of years later, well, probably more than a couple maybe four or five years later went see them again in the what was the cia and uh, we actually took our children with us this time so uh, when i think our son was aged about five or six and our daughter was aged about eight or nine and they were desperately trying to stay awake you know oh. during all this noise uh you know that was going on but they still do remember it they still do remember being taken to see uh Faithless. and 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 i also remember you had the opportunity at the time before the concert to buy a double cd of that evening's concert so you'd have a unique record wow. and so have you uh, got that? yeah we actually paid oh. the money and uh we had to wait about Twenty minutes after the end of the concert, for them to press them all. But yes, I've got an exclusive. Uh, well, me and the uh, I don't know thirty or forty other people <laughs> have got the Cardiff concert uh, on on a, on a double CD. So yes, I look after that. This was their first big hit that we got to know. This was uh, Insomnia. I can't
0: get me For your next choice Simon let's talk about something else that I I know is close to your heart and that's your very own Cardiff City Football Phone <laughs> Bro Radio
1: GTFM and Radio Cardiff I mean I've always been interested in um in Cardiff City Football Club and I got involved in Bro Radio back in when it launched in 2010 as a community radio station and at the time there was sort of um the 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 uh, Carter city phone-in was only originally broadcast on gtfm and they were talking about trying to expand it and so bro radio were were getting involved and they said oh you know we're going anyone interested in carter city and i said well yeah i am and so i started to get involved a little bit helping it and then there was an opportunity to become a you know a part-time host and presenter so i took that on then uh, sadly then permanent presenter Mark Williams who actually was a former volunteer here at Radio Glamorgan suddenly passed away and I basically took over the uh, the gig from then pretty much and at, at one point it was it was actually broadcasting three nights a week but we couldn't really you know sustain it for three nights oh, yeah. a week it's going from strength to strength we have some former Carter City players on there a uh, range of uh, guests and now we we broadcast on Facebook Live, uh, oh. which is which seems to have given it a much bigger boost. Um, yeah. Has has uh, given us a, a different audience.
0: Your penultimate choice is from Chicago.
1: Yes, so I met my wife Wendy in the late 1980s, and she said about yeah. I mean, she was more into films than I was. I mean, don't get me wrong, I did get the cinema, but she was she had some films that she was really passionately interested in. And one of those was the 1979 film, All That Jazz, which was uh, directed by Bob Fosse. And it was partly based on his musical, Chicago. uh, And also at the time when he was trying to uh, work on another film about Lenny Bruce called Lenny. And so she really loved that. It's quite a sad film as well. So she'd always talk to me about that and how it was a favourite film. And then um, there was like a relaunching of the, the stage play, Chicago. I happened to be in London on a training course, and she said, "Oh, I've been up to see it. You must go and see it." And so I queued outside. I didn't have tickets. It was a it was a sellout. You know, I was able to bypass the whole queue of returns <laughs> because everybody was was as a couple, yeah. And because it was just me on my own, I was quite easily able to get a ticket uh, to get in. So I saw it in the West End. Fantastic show. The film came out, or they released a film version of it. I think it was around about two thousand and two starring uh, Richard Gere, uh, Renny Zellweger and Catherine Zeta-Jones. And so we went to see the film and I thought the music in the film was just absolutely fantastic. Uh, I thought it was a brilliant story, The almost a finale when the Renny Zellweger character and the Catherine Zeta-Jones, who were rivals, but finally realizing in order to get anywhere, make a success, they're going to have to work together, they're going to have to put their past behind them and actually work together and that's what they do and it's uh, towards the end of the film it, it they, they, they're an absolutely rip-roaring success and this is the uh, song that they perform at the end as a major
0: celebration Your tenth, and were you going to say something?
1: <laughs> no, it's just like wow. You know, well, I remember. A... I I think I, I remember how I felt when I saw that. I you know in in the cinema for the first time. It was like they finished on that. It was like <gasps> wow. <laughs> so
0: would the, now I've seen the film, but a long time ago. Did the credits go over that, or was the credits after that?
1: Uh, the credits were after that. Right. That was like the big finale, and yeah. you see the you know the audience standing up and you know in massive applause and. Uh, Yeah,
0: your tenth and final choice, Simon. Our music was my first love, is from the legendary, if I can call him that. Absolutely, uh, Bob Marley, uh, along with the Whalers. You a fan?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, if we go back to my first track, it was uh, Toots and the Maytals, and my introduction to ska reggae music. Uh, I haven't got time to go into it now, but when I um, started volunteering on uh, bro radio the community radio station i do a two-hour show the first hour is all reggae and scar and in fact that is still that is still uh, what i do you know so on on hospital radio glamorgan it's the slip disc show which we worked on and my wife and i worked on the bro beat club for my show on uh, bro radio of which the first hour is the musical roots hour uh, where we do reggae and and the sprinkler scar so basically from 2010 i've got into reggae a lot more expanded my knowledge about it and my son went to Birmingham City University to do a degree in stage management while he was there in his final year the Birmingham rep put on a, had a 3 month run of a, a stage musical on the life of Bob Marley called One Love I, i'm a bit surprised it didn't go anywhere else in the UK but it was there for 3 months and because he was helping to work out on it he was he was able to get me an invite to the the press show in so we went along to the press show in Birmingham and um, you know afterwards there was a bit of an after show party and I had a few drinks you know, and uh, I'd forgotten that the cast were coming out and <laughs> I'd taken a microphone along to interview them. And uh, so I thought, "Crikey, I better, I better get my st- so I, I better quickly, get myself yeah. together." You know, it's as they used to say in Chicago and all that has It's showtime. Yeah. You know, <laughs> whatever else is going on, it's showtime. You got to perform. And so I, I spoke to a no- I spoke to the director and I spoke to a number of the lead actors. And one of the uh, people I spoke to, one of the um, the actresses, she was called Shigo Amos, and she was playing the part of Marcia Griffiths. Now, Marcia Griffiths was known in sort of the late 60s, early 70s, so having a few hits with Bob Andy under the name of Bob and Marcia. They had uh, Young, Gifted and Black. Remember, and they did yeah. a version of the Pied Piper. Well, when the original Wailers split with uh, Bob Marley, Peter Tosh and Bernie Livingston, they reformed as Bob Marley and the Wailers with a new backing band and a female vocal troupe called the I-3s, one of whom was Rita, who went on to become Rita Marley, uh, Bob Marley's wife. And Marcia Griffiths, was one of the other ones uh, in i3s and i went to see her at uh, performing at the globe in cardiff probably about six or seven years ago and a fantastic evening but i spoke to uh, shago amos who was playing the part of marcia griffiths and basically one of the things i asked all of them was um did you how much of bob marley's music did you know before getting involved in this production and how or, or and how much have you got to more involved in it since you've been doing it and she said that um, she grew up in africa and she said it was at the time uh, she remembers really well when uh, zimbabwe was having its independence from uh, britain which i think was around about 1980 and bob marley wrote this song especially it called Zimbabwe and he went over and performed it and I remember she was saying you know there was such huge excitement first of all that the country was going to get its independence uh, and secondly that Bob Marley would not only write a song about about it but to go over and perform it and it said it really had a major uplift on not, not only Zimbabwe but the people in Africa as well now maybe because of the the history and that used to be Rhodesia and you know the, um, the links with Britain uh, Zimbabwe never got played in the daytime on Radio 1 whereas all these previous singles uh, had so it was only a track I got to know latterly and then p- particularly after she um told me that story uh it was a sort of a, a reminder of how uplifting and how positive music can be and it just so happened that I was looking up I wonder I thought oh because this is back in 2017 hmm. I wonder what Shyko's doing these days and I saw she's got a part in the um comedy drama on BBC called Death in Paradise. She got uh, a role as Series 8 and they've just filmed Series 9. Oh, is She's she... the new niece of uh, one of the... Um the uh, uh, I,
0: she's the niece of of the head of yes, police. that's right the yeah. guy from rising damp
1: that's that, that's right oh, yes that's who uh, she is. Oh, wow. yeah that's who she is yeah and i only happened to find this out by you know almost by oh just checking wow that's her yeah so sh- she played marcia griffiths in one love the musical in yeah. birmingham and who, who i interviewed and and that's what inspired me to sort of have this as my final choice and it sort of goes back for starts with toots and the maytals and Scar reggae and it goes back now to the music i'm involved in in yeah. sort of in bro radio and uh Almost Bob full circle. yeah absolutely full circle and as i said you know it shows about inspiring and how uplifting music can be
0: after so many years broadcasting simon it's it's still a part of your life uh, with radio Gamorgan and bro radio you still enjoying it as much as ever
1: absolutely absolutely and you know it is part of um as i said i won't go into how i got involved in reggae but it was a bit of an accident but actually being able to look deeper and see some of the things and and find out a lot more new artists and, and, and new music that I would never have encountered otherwise, it, 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 you know, is just absolutely fantastic and and it, it it's a great reason to continue. Thanks for coming in, Simon. You're very welcome. Thank you. <laughs>
0: been listening to music was my first love on radio glamorgan where volunteer simon field has been choosing 10 of his favorite tracks i'm andrew wolf and join me again soon when another radio glamorgan volunteer chooses their favorite tracks on another edition of music was my first love